Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora from the Rafters of the Stanley Marketplace. This is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, Senior Marketing Manager for Visit Aurora. Asia Fox is a poet and writer and has been published in over 50 online and print journals. In addition, she's performed dozens of readings and at events. Asia is also Aurora's third Poet Laureate, beginning her four-year term just a few months ago. Thank you so much for joining us today, Asia. Yes, thank you. You grew up in Aurora. You know the beauty of the city. You know the school scars of the city. You're a part of the fabric of this place. What does it mean for you to represent Aurora as Poet Laureate? Well, it's actually really amazing because I'm getting to utilize something that I'm passionate about in a medium of creativity to talk about where I'm from. And I feel like a lot of people don't get that opportunity to do that in a creative manner. And so to be able to use words, which is one of the strongest things we have in our society, to represent and exactly to show those like scars and to show the good things. I feel really proud of being able to be the mouthpiece for that. Can you talk a little bit about growing up in Aurora? What did you see and experience that kind of laid a foundation for your creative oh, path? Oh, definitely. Um, so when I was really, really young, um, I feel like I had really great teachers that were just really passionate about reading and writing in specific. And so it really helped me. But then outside of that, um, by the time I was in middle school is when um, a couple really dramatic things happened in Aurora that weren't good, like the theater shooting, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I actually lived near that area when that happened Um, and I kind of was forced to mature just a little bit because there was a lot of trauma suddenly in our place and um, it actually strongly affected my writing because then I realized okay yes it's not all rainbows and bubble gum there's there's other things that happen around me and I want to acknowledge that so a lot of those kind of things show up in my work I talk a lot about trauma and how you might get through it what were some of the other things that that caused you to tap into writing was was there specific inspiration or did you kind of just possess an understanding of purpose at a very young age um, I would say a little bit of both my stepdad is someone who really um, pushes the idea that I was meant to be a writer from the get-go. He said when I was younger, I would make up my own words and I would try to like look in the dictionary to find the closest (laughs) spelling. And I just like to write in general. Um, I did a lot of short stories. My first one was about me trying to bust a gorilla out of the zoo. Oh yeah. I had pictures and everything. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, But growing up past that, um, my mom really pushed for me to constantly read. And I think reading is actually what made me start writing. Just that love of of that art form and just like being able to tell a story. Was there a moment where you were like, I could do that too? Yes, I read the book um, Winter Girls by Lorraine Halsey Anderson and it was just so beautiful and it was about trauma, but it was really, it gave me warmth and it made me feel safe. Um, And I could tell, even though it doesn't have a completely happy ending, I felt like I could see a light. Like at the end of that story, I could push past that story even though the period was there. Um, And that was something I wanted to do. You graduated from the University of Colorado Denver with a BA in English and Creative Writing. You also had a minor in Psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, It strikes me how those two seemingly different disciplines actually complement one another. Um, How does that understanding of human psychology inform your work? It it seems it would allow you to tap into spaces that resonate with people. Yes, um, I love that question by the way, (laughs) uh, because that's exactly what's happening. Um, I always tell people if I didn't go for writing, I probably would have been a historian or a psychologist. And the reason for that is because regardless of what role I'm in, I'm really passionate about human connection and how people think. Like what what makes them think what they think? Why do they feel what they feel? Why do they do action-wise what they do? Um, And that's always fascinated me. So when it comes to my poems, I always tell people, you know, yes, be personal in your poems, but still also talk about what's around you, what's in your atmosphere, because not 
every place is the same and it's because of the people. It's striking that we all kind of feel like we're the main characters in this theater that is our lives. Mm -hmm. But when you speak to one another, we all have these universal experiences that kind of shape what being a human is and creates that connection. And your ability to put that into words, you know, is a bridge for people, I imagine. Definitely. And I think that's why I try now in my career, I don't shy away from those like t taboo topics. Mm -hmm. I'm actually working on a manuscript about the death industry right now. Okay. Um, and that was sparked because I found out that the same funeral director had worked on a lot of people in my family. And it turns out she grew up with them on the same street. They went to the same schools. Really? Yes. And it that was really interesting to me because it was just like, how do you you know them and you're friends with them for so many years and then now you're like helping lay them to rest. Like how do you do that? And so um I wanted to tap into that and talk about it um, because I, you know, death is something that affects everybody, but yet it's still a little hush hush. And how is that manifesting? Are you, is it a series of poems or? It is, okay. it is. It's a series of poems. Um, so far I have about 25 poems written towards the manuscript. Wow. Yes, and I actually did extensive research to do so. I wanted to be as accurate as possible about some of the things I was talking about, because even though I've you know, faced death in different manners and everybody has, I wanted to talk about some of the things I hadn't experienced, mm. so I interviewed people. I actually obtained a couple artifacts that come from funeral homes. Um, I did a lot of research on certain cases just to help inform my writing. I want to get to your process in a little bit yes. because I'm fascinated on how you put that research into a creative form. I want to get to that in a second, yes. but first, just poetry broadly. Mm -hmm. it, it can be vernacular acrobatics. It could yes. showcase a literary dexterity. Um, it could be subtle and thought and emotion provoking. What is it about that art form specifically that attracts you? And, and what do you think is that power of poetry? Yes, um, for me, I am really about images and like how our brains, and this is something that's really pushed in psychology, and so maybe that's why I'm so attracted to it, but how we might look at like a table, and that table makes us think of a memory with our grandmother mm -hmm. 10 years ago, or I might see like this certain rainbow, and I'm like, why does that look exactly like the rainbow I saw here in this other state or something? And then you just start kind of going down these rabbit holes in your own mind all the time, and it's usually triggered by an image or by a smell or right. by a sensation. and. I feel like poetry is the best vehicle to describe what that process looks like. It's so fascinating. We have these neural connections in our mind that have this emotional component mm -hmm. tied to it and memories tied to it. It's fascinating. It Hopefully as human science progresses, we can get a better understanding on how the, that all works together. Mm -hmm. um, this is the dreaded cliche question that all creatives seem to get, but I truly am fascinated by the creative process. Do you find that your work flows easily from you? Is it like turning on a faucet? Sometimes. Um, I argue that I'm not always inspired. Mm -hmm. And so what I'll do is I'll find something that I want to focus on and know more about, and I'll ask myself questions. And that's like through the poem, and I'm trying to answer it. So it's not always waiting for inspiration to strike. It's almost oh, yeah. mining for inspiration to a degree. Yes, yes. Especially when you make it a career path, I feel like. So there so there are lulls at times. Definitely. <laughs> and But since this is part of your career path and part of your identity, you have to kind of push through that mm -hmm. because 
complacency can lead to deterioration of that skill, right? Yes, I definitely agree. And that's why I put my hand in different projects Mm -hmm. and different modes of poetry. So I don't always just focus on writing poetry. Sometimes I read a lot of poetry or I'll go to poetry open mics and host. And so just keeping myself in the vein of it so it's always on my mind, but I might not always be writing right then. Is there an element to writing that's like working out where, you know, every day you have to do it because there's this refined creative muscle that you have to tone constantly? Yes. Um, and sometimes I have to force myself into getting in that headspace. So actually right now I'm um, participating in Tupelo Presses 3030 and it's where I have to write 30 poems in 30 days. Wow. And that has been very interesting for me because certain days the poem's just there. Right. And it's because like something happened that day or maybe something has already been kind of marinating in my mind for the whole week. And now I finally feel like I can actually put it on the page and other days I'm like, okay, I'm not like nothing's really there for me. And what I've decided to do is I'm actually doing a little mini series of poems of what it's like in my new apartment Okay. because that's what's in my life every day. So the days that are hard for me to write, I just think what's something that happened to me today in the, in the apartment, in the new apartment. And I just talk about it. Is there pressure that you put on yourself to deliver every day something that you're proud of? Or is there an understanding that maybe some days you're doing the exercise for the sake of doing the exercise? I would say the latter for sure. Um, when I first started my degree in writing, um, I was definitely that person though, where it was like, no, you have to, it has to be brilliant. Every poem you turn into the teacher has to be just amazing and ready to go, ready to be published. And I really realized over time um, that sometimes when you put yourself in that mindset, you actually put out your weakest work. Yeah. There's a cliche in sports. Greatness isn't being at the highest level Mm -hmm. all the time. It's being consistent a lot of the time. And that's what creates greatness. That seems to be similar in in a literary pursuit as well as if you're, you know, putting in the work and putting forth the maximum effort that you can at that time, you will accomplish greatness through that consistency. Yes. And I feel like I'm definitely proof of that, evidence of that. Um, Because even after getting my degree, I took a little small break because I was also pregnant at the time Mm -hmm. um, from constantly writing. But again, I still kept myself in the mindset of writing world um, by participating in like Zoom um, workshops and things. I attended workshops just to learn or focus on different topics. Um, And I actually was editing and judging a poetry competition at the time. So still keeping my head in that space. So when you have an idea or, or a spark of inspiration and you're ready to put it into poetic form, are you using a rigid system like iambic pentameter or, or is it more <laughs> organic? I pulled that out, out of like the recesses of ninth grade somewhere. Yes. But are yes. you using those? Are you using those things or no? Sometimes. Um, I think it's when I feel like challenging myself. It's my energy levels. My okay. energy levels tell me what to do. Yeah. Um, so if it's feeling very organic, I'm just going to run with that. And if I'm wanting to challenge myself, I might say, you know, I'm going to intentionally do a sonnet, even though I've never written one, Um, or I'm going to write this ode. And right now I'm actually in a place where I don't feel so loved, but I'm going to write a poem about love or I'll like challenge myself in the different mindsets. But that just strengthens the skill set, I imagine, trying different things. Oh, definitely. How did becoming a mother influence and impact your writing and more broadly your view of the world? Oh, definitely. That's a really good question. Um, So when it comes to during my pregnancy, I barely wrote poems. Mm. And sometimes I look back like, why was that? And I think it's just because I really busy making a foot and an eyelid. (laughs) It's a lot of energy. It was. And (laughs) it's like even when I wanted to write sometimes, I just was like, my my mind has hasn't matured into the thought yet of motherhood. Um, And I think that was accurate because as soon as I had her, my brain was like, 
here's a poem, mm. here's a poem, here's a poem. And it's kind of been like that since. Um, she's 11 months now and she's about to be a year. So just how quickly she's matured and grown and like had a different skill like almost weekly. Um, I always wanted to talk about that yeah. and I wanted to delve more into it. And it made me look at the world and at other humans like, wow, all of us started there where mm -hmm. we didn't know how to do a thing. And sometimes it was taught to us and sometimes we just figured it out. And I think that still applies when we're adults, yeah. where it's not always just given to us or we don't always have support. We just kind of figure it out. And sometimes figuring it out is what gets us to more success or gets us to the next thing. I find my worldview often that we're all kids pretending, even as adults. That's a good one. You know, we, we're all just, our spirits, for the most part are intact from our youth, hopefully, but we're all trying to figure out these adult things. And, and I think that takes some of the pressure off. Reverting to, to your pregnancy, was there a feeling of pressure? Like I'm going through a, be a beautiful transformative experience right now. The expression should be pouring out of me. Was there some <laughs> frustration during that time? Like I should be so inspired right now and I'm just not. Yes, um, the, uh, there was actually a particular night I was talking to my mom about that. And um, she's like, have you, you know, just kind of have you like written anything not even just about like what you're going through but just in general like with the book you were working on anything and I was like mom it's just no it's just not there I was like and I'm so excited I'm so excited right. about this pregnancy I'm excited for my daughter right but my headspace just wasn't there and I started crying because I felt like I was wasting time um, oh. in a lot of ways of not writing I was like nine months to write I should like be writing um, and it just it wasn't happening that way for me as a creative person is there a feeling of I have a finite collection of thoughts that I need to get out in the world and you can fill a reserve that needs to be expressed. Yes, um, that actually has gotten more extreme for me now that I am a mom, really? interestingly enough. Okay. Um, and so it's kind of changed my process sometimes of how I might start recording things for a poem. In the past, I could kind of have that reserve and I felt like I, st I could store more for a longer period of time. Now that I'm a mom, my mind is on so many different things mm -hmm. that I, if something's there, I'm like, let me hurry up and write this down. Let me hurry up and make a voice recording of it. Let me just just do whatever. If I have to write it on the wall, I'll do that. Um, and it, it's because I'm constantly getting a new thought. Often you hear comedians think of a premise and they write it down and hope yes. that later on they can come back to it. Are you able to do that? And when you go back, can you capture the same mo emotion that you had at the time you first thought of it? Actually, I hope and wish that I'll get to that point with it, but it's rare. Um, yeah. Sometimes I just know the line or the image right then, mm -hmm. and I, I have to write it down because if I don't, and I just try to put like a keyword or something like that, the day matures me more. Interesting. Meaning I might go back to that same like keyword and I have a different thought or I'm more matured from the original thought. That's so fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> What's the poetry community like here in Colorado? Oh my gosh, it's amazing. It is so diverse and robust. And I honestly feel like we're all still on the hunt looking for each other, if that mm. makes sense. Good. Um, and it's just because there's that many things, but we're all kind of in pockets right now. And now that I'm the poet laureate, I'm starting to kind of access some of those areas and notice it. Um, and so I'm making it a new goal actually to try to connect and network more people to each other because um, we need our community and there's just so many of us here and we're all very um, unique in our abilities. Like we have a couple writers just recently that are really making it big right now, mm. like Holly Fajardo Anstein, we have Erica Wirth, we have Stephen Dunn, uh, Hillary Leftwich is a like really big community person um, that really inspires me and she's an amazing writer. Um, 
and there's a lot of open mics and there's a lot of things for youth and there's a lot of things in the libraries and libraries are free. Yeah. And that's that's something I feel like a lot of people just don't realize is no, if you're looking for a resource, if you're looking for community, look in your libraries. Yeah, it's not just books. There's yes. so much media and so much community and so many activities and we pay for it as taxpayers. So use it. Yes. It's important to. At a certain point in your journey, you take a bit of a leadership role in the community. You're, you're teaching, you're doing outreach, you edit, you hold peer feedback sessions. Mm -hmm. And Was there a sense of responsibility to kind of nurture your peers and also help inspire a new generation? Oh yes, um, when I started my degree, I feel like it was always kind of there, that intent, but I didn't really know when I would be considered worthy of actually holding a torch like that, if mm. that makes sense. Right. Um, and it took someone who was already kind of established in the community kind of pulling, just pulling me in real quick and being like, no, you can start now. Right. Just because you don't, because at the time I didn't have any publications quite yet and all that I was nourishing my community already before really getting like these different accolades and leadership positions. Um, and that's something I want to kind of instill in younger youth too, that that's a myth. You can kind of start support right away as soon as you're passionate about a thing. How life affirming must that have been though, that somebody that you deem an authority in the space mm -hmm. says, no, you are qualified to speak on behalf of the vitality of this medium and you can be an influencer of your peers and of the future generation. That's got to be oh, such yes. an incredible, uplifting thing. Oh, yes. It, it opened the box like wide open for me after that. Can you talk a bit about what Poetics University is and, and your work there? Yes. Um, so Poetics University was actually an online uh, poetics school that was started um, by a person in New York. Um, so it became a worldwide classroom and there were different workshops that were hosted through Instagram, interestingly mm -hmm. enough, but it actually worked out really well. Um, so for instance, with the first course that I taught, um, I had to drop a prompt and it would be like a visual image on Instagram um, daily for that week. And students that participated had like the 24 hours to make a draft. Um, they could share it or they could keep it to themselves, but it was just kind of to help challenge them right. to look at different ways that they could write. Um, so my very first class was called Process, and it was me specifically making sure those prompts were like making, challenging them to try a totally different way to write a poem. And that must have been powerful to see what those students were coming back with. Oh yeah, so it's very interesting, very interesting. And it's crazy once you're in like that teacher role, how quick you pick up on your students and like, what their specifics might be to their style. And that actually always really overjoyed me because I know from the position of being a writer, sometimes it takes you a while to notice your own style. Yes. So when others kind of can pick it up first and you and they reassure you that you have this thing that you're doing and you should keep doing it, I know that it helps. It probably takes years to find your voice. <laughs> yes. Um, I imagine. And also as an instructor, you have to balance nurturing this spark without stifling it mm -hmm. with too much instruction. Yes. Like, like here's guidance, but you still have to do what is in your heart, what's in your mind, right? Yes, exactly. Writing is a very intimate expression. It's, it's a window into someone's psyche, mm -hmm. their mind, their hearts and having the courage to be that open cannot be overstated. Um, you add another layer to that when you take it into a public forum mm -hmm. and go on stage. Definitely. Do you find performing easy? It's easier now. Yeah. Um, when I first started, it, I just kind of felt like, oh, I just need to read the poem. 
And I didn't really realize how much energy you really have to put into it. And I don't even always mean physically. Do you have to be doing something on stage? Although that does help because then you make your audience feel more loose as well and comfortable with you. But your voice needs to kind of like do things. And um, one of the best comments I ever received, and it made me, it kind of made it click more for me. Um, I went and did a performance for Headroom Sessions through PBS. And um, there was a band there that was also going to be filmed. And after I performed, she came up to me. She's like, did you sing? Did you used to sing? And I was like, how do you know that? Or like, how would you be able to tell that? She's like, it's the way you're you're reading. Interesting. And after she said that, I really like marinated on it. Like, what, why, what am I doing that's making her notice that? But then I realized it's because I've matured and how I want a line to be delivered. If I want someone to receive it a certain way, or if I want it to be more ambiguous for them to kind of go their own route with it, I do do certain things with how I might fluctuate a word, or I really want the power of that word, the double meaning of it to hit for them or something like that, or I might have more cadence in a space with one stanza than another. Um, And that's because in my mind when I'm reading it, that's exactly what's happening. How interesting because when you're first starting off performing, Mm -hmm. I imagine there was some frustration like this didn't really convey the feelings Mm -hmm. that I have. But as you develop that outward voice, you can add an extra layer of Mm -hmm. complexity to what you're trying to convey through your intonation, through your rhythmic patterns and and whatnot. So it probably goes from a place of frustration to almost embellishment, right? Yes, yes, that is very true. And um, now I'm a really big advocate for like novice writers, if they're feeling comfortable to go do open mics and Mm -hmm. to constantly do that, but also listen listen to podcasts, listen to other people talk because what you start picking up, I I actually have an exercise where like you eavesdrop and then you write about it. Oh, nice. And I like doing that because there's something about also hearing just even normal conversation between two people because they can sound totally different when they're talking on the same topic though. And there's something to that. And And, and you pick up so much context and nuance and things, the things that aren't said. Right, because you just randomly eavesdrop for that one minute. You Mm -hmm. weren't there for the whole thing. We see a lot of growth in Aurora right now, not only business and infrastructure, but it also seems cultural growth, Mm -hmm. um, highlighting our diversity, creating spaces uh, for the arts to be showcased and, and for creative communities to come together. How would you characterize the cultural scene of Aurora specifically and kind of the spaces that exist for creative expression? I would say that we're in a really big space or time of hope. And I'm starting to notice that with the fact that established community areas for like open mics, let's say, or for doing workshops with youth or for advocating artists that are in the community, um, they're starting to think of new ideas. And it's because they want to push it more to support the people that were already there and they want to bring in new people because they're starting to see that we need that. Um, I would say even just personally, I'm in a state of hope where like I want more connection between people, especially when I'm noticing these pockets of really amazing people that just aren't aren't out there, there's not exposed enough, and they want to be, but it's just about knowing how to do so. If uh, someone listening right now has a curiosity about poetry or, or, or maybe no real working knowledge of, of the art form, which works would you assign them as required reading? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> Button poetry specifically for multiple mediums um, through poetry is a really good resource. A couple of the books that are my favorites is um, 
We Aren't Dead, and that's by Denez Smith. Um, then you have Paluta by Melissa, uh, I think it's o- Olivia Zolata. Um, and there's some more, like New American Best Friend, etc. But I like New uh, Button Poetry because all their writers that they bring on not only have their books, but they always do videos. Okay. And so you're able to see the difference between like maybe how you read a poem that's on the page um, and then how they perform it. But also with it, when it comes to their content, it's really unique because they're always really personal, but still always talking about the world. Um, so for instance, with Dinesh Smith's book, talking about being like a black person who's walking through the world and what that's like and what it's like seeing so many of like our brethren get killed, etc. Right. But there are poems in there talking more from the lens of someone else that's not not like black or not participating in in that community. And you really marinate on those poems, even though they're one in few throughout the book. Poetry doesn't always have to be grand language. It doesn't always need a rhyme. It doesn't always have to right. have a certain form on the page. It doesn't always have to only talk about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like most traditional poetry is either about a big journey, love or death. And there's so many more topics. You could talk about anything, actually, in poetry. (laughs) Uh, Aurora is home to Colorado's largest immigrant community. Nearly 20% of our residents were born in another country. Um, You were asked to perform at an immigration naturalization ceremony earlier this year. What did did that experience mean to you? It was amazing. Um, Before even going, I just remember wanting to be very considerate of the fact that Aurora is one of the most diverse places and that we speak over 260 languages here. Mm -hmm. And when it came to writing a specific poem, all I wanted was something that would be relatable. And I feel like modern poetry really pushes individuality constantly, but I knew this needed to be a community poem. Um, so I kept thinking, what what will connect with everybody? What does everybody know about? What does everybody need or care about? And I thought of food. So <laughs> I ended up writing um, the kitchen sink poem for that. And initially I was a little weary of like if I thought it was as written as well as I would have liked. Um, but when I got there and I saw the impact that it did have, um, I realized if the roles were reversed that it is special to have somebody think about what that experience is like. Um, seeing all of them in the audience, I liked where I got to sit. I got to sit right next to the mirror, but that's not why I liked that spot. I right. liked it because I was <laughs> facing the audience the whole time. So seeing them do the oath, seeing some of them start crying, like once they were like, congratulations, you're a citizen. That hit me like really hard in the chest. And I really just wanted to hug everybody. So yeah. it was it was an honor to be invited to handshake everyone um, as they were getting their their um, certificates at the end. I mean, the weight of that moment must have been incredible. You're you're seeing people express years of, of probably hope and frustration and yes. fear and everything that they, they want to accomplish in, in their life here and all the worries and all of the aspirations all kind of culminating in this one moment that had to have been absolutely life affirming. Oh yes, definitely. What would you like to accomplish in the next four years as Aurora's Poet Laureate? Yes, um, one very specific specific uh, project I'm passionate about is actually starting a like meant sorry <laughs> a mentor mentee um, fellowship and so right now we're in the works of discussion of what that would look like but the general plan is um, 
two people within a year that I take on to mentor on whatever they want to work on. And it doesn't actually have to just be poetry if they want to work on a book because they're writing a novel or they're wanting to do a series of art pieces that have like cool sentences that are involved or they're wanting to collaborate with someone else in the community. And so they're just kind of needing someone to help mediate how you go about doing that collaboration. Um, And the reason why I'm really passionate about that is because I was fortunate enough to go get a degree Mm -hmm. that was just really robust and gave me a lot of experiences. But I constantly think, what if I hadn't been able to go to college? Right. And I didn't have these experiences. Would I really be where I am? Would I have gone for that thing I went for? Would I have felt confident like I knew all the information? How did I find out the information? How do you find out that information if you don't come to college? Then it kind of hit me that I could be that person that brings that info to the public. And so I want to bring on different people that are passionate about something they want to do and they just maybe don't know how to quite do so. That's so powerful because behind every influential person is somebody or somebodies who took them under their wing and said, here's a path, maybe not the path, but here's a path that can help you. And if it's not, I'm here to help you. Exactly. And that's so powerful. Yes, exactly. Asia, your presence in our community is invaluable and your contribution is as well. Our community is better for having you here. We wish you the best in all your endeavors and it was a pleasure to meet you today. Thank you. Thank you. Same. You can follow Asia Fox on Instagram and Twitter at A-E Fox. Add an extra X to that, A-E-F-O-X-X. You can also find her at dangerspoetics.wordpress.com. Hey, thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rock podcast. Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado, and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners and hotel partners. As Aurora's convention and visitors bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75 plus hotel properties with 13,500 plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet of meeting space, including Colorado's largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention. Center. As Colorado's third largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250 plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your Colorado visit from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention to helping you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.